This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show in partnership with the Compassionate Friends. I'm your host, Dr. Heidi Horsley, and I'm here with my co-host, Alan Peterson, who is the Executive Director for the Compassionate Friends. Hi, Alan. How are you today, Heidi? What an honor to be with you and um, doing a show today with somebody we just saw a couple of weeks ago. We had her on the television show, so uh, I think uh, the radio audience is going to enjoy hearing from Amy Cooper today and hearing about the work she does, her loss, and, and uh, what she is doing today uh, to change the world. We interview lots of people who change the world, don't we? Absolutely. And like you said, we just interviewed uh, Amy, and she is a singer-songwriter, among other things. She has a gorgeous voice. We will be interviewing her today, and we will go out of the show with her singing You Are My Sunshine. And um, I know that I'm here in New York City in the studio Alan, you're in Sacramento, right? I am in Sacramento, California today. That's bright, sunshiny day. And our guest is in San Francisco. So on that note, I will introduce her. Um, as I said, Amy Cooper is a singer-songwriter and a bereaved parent whose son died of an accidental overdose in 2014. She is the outreach director with the National Coalition Against Prescription Drug Abuse and is a member of the Santa Clara County Opioid Overdose Prevention Project Coalition. Her goal is to bring awareness and education regarding drug abuse misuse through community programs and proactive policy change. Welcome to the show, Amy. Hi, Heidi. Thank you so much. I'm um, certainly honored to be a part of the program today and looking forward to having a, a discussion and nice to be a chance to also talk with you, Alan. Good to talk with you, Amy. Well, it's great to have you on, and you're talking about something that is such an epidemic in our country, and that is accidental overdose. And could you start out just by telling our audience a little bit about um, your son? Oh, sure. I'd be happy to do that. I love to talk about John. Um, John was my firstborn, and he was an amazing young man in every way I can possibly think of. He uh, always was teaching us things that we, we weren't quite ready to learn, it seems like, from him. So at a very early age, he was a, a big talker, much earlier than most of his um, other children that he played with. And we used to laugh. He'd, we'd go to a playground, and all the other children are just having fun playing, and, and John would be organizing everybody and saying, oh, you, Sally, you go down the slide, and uh, Tim, you go on the merry-go-round. Um, and we just came to find out as he got older and older that um, he, he just had some amazing talents in terms of his ability to think and critically and, and be able to use his verbal skills, but he did find out later that, that he was a little bit challenged with social skills. And so mm -hmm. that was something we, as a family, had to really learn a lot about. He fell on the Asperger spectrum. Mm -hmm. And um, I bring this up because as uh, we've also come to find out that there are a number of risk factors for people that may 
fall into um, substance use disorders and particularly opioids. And um, as we learned, our son John had this uh, challenge of, of Asperger's and um, that put him at risk. And, I, didn't, uh, I didn't realize that, Amy. Is it because yeah. when he was um, using opioids or, or alcohol or whatever he would use, it would make him more social or no? I believe so. I mean, okay. we are certainly learning more now about about what happened. I mean, John, and for us, even as a child, I mean, he he did what did find it challenging for to get along with peers, and he was really working hard to try to figure out how to fit in. Mm-hmm. And all of his siblings, you know, he was really one of four, and his other siblings were very involved in social activities and had lots of friends and were on sporting teams and and. John also was not as uh, – he, he ended up growing to be very, very tall. He was actually almost 6'6", six, six, wow. which was crazy tall. I felt like he used to have to get up on a, a ladder to, you know, give him a hug. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but he, he just had to learn a lot of the skill sets that most of us just inherently know. Um, well, well, you might know this, Amy, because you are living in San Francisco, but in Silicon Valley, which is, you know – South of you, not very far. Um, mm-hmm. There are a lot of people that fall on the spectrum, and there are Aspergers, and they end up right. running these amazing tech companies, and you know, becoming very well off, and and they're they're very involved in the internet and computers, as you probably know, and making yeah. great strides in the world. I mean, it's pretty incredible what's going on right now. It it really is, and and that's why I think that that. You know, making sure that people are aware of some of these risk factors that we weren't aware of. Mm-hmm. So as John, you know, finished high school, went on to college and graduated with a, a degree in, in rhetoric and in philosophy, which also will describe him a bit. He was just a, a really amazing reader, uh, loved philosophy, would just talk your ear off about, you know, Aristotle and everything that you wow. could even music. He went from everything from Beethoven to Metallica. Uh, just a wow. lover of life. So he was extremely um, bright and smart. Very, very. Which you, bright. which you see in Aspergers. Again, they, they have you know a lot of Aspergers. People have very high IQs, as you know. Yeah, yeah, and but when they when they're challenged in the social world, you know, I think that's that's where. We believe that perhaps that's what started with John, mm-hmm. and it could have been. It's also very common when there's an injury, um, whether it's sports-related. We we do know that he had a, a motorcycle incident. It wasn't a, a major crash or anything, but it was an incident, and we know that opioids were prescribed. So um, we we've now learned hugely as a society how addictive opioids can be mm-hmm. if they're misused and many times they're over prescribed so instead of just prescribing something for a short amount of time and if people don't you know, maybe maybe they start to take it and then they don't finish it this is the other challenge that we all have is what do you do with unused medicines and yeah. if you just leave it in your medicine cabinet um, that's also at risk for somebody else to get a hold of it and and take it that's when it's not prescribed for them. Well, I think that was one of my takeaways from your cable show that you did with us is that you said, if you don't use it, somebody will. And my mom, after that show said, oh my gosh, I've got to go home and get rid of all our prescription medication that we don't use. 
Just because mm-hmm. having it laying around constantly, you know, that's it doesn't sound like that's a good idea. Oh, Heidi, I'm so glad that that what I said she did. resonated with your mom. And, and you know, she's and, got and, ten grandkids <laughs> and people in and out of the house all the time. And she's like, I don't, you know, I'm gonna serious. And she's got a lot of stuff because my dad's had a lot of back surgeries. So right. there's yeah. a lot of stuff in our house. Um, yeah. So that's you know, we we really to this day, John did not show any symptoms to us. We we didn't see any obvious things about him that would suggest that he had uh, a challenge or uh, an addiction to uh, opioids. Mm-hmm. But what we do know is that um, when we received that horrific call that any parent is the worst thing that could ever happen to them, that unfortunately, you know, San Jose police at the time, John was living in in Santa Clara County in San Jose, and we were too. He was only about 15 minutes from our house, but we did receive that horrific call. And it took, we were so clueless that for actually five months, which is how long it took to get the coroner report back, we didn't know mm-hmm. what the cause of his death was. Um, I, I really, in my own head, was thinking, well, first off, when this happens, you just don't believe it. So right. you go through this whole absolute denial that this didn't really happen. Um, and then then I'm just trying to put information together. How could this vibrant, healthy, six-foot-six, beautiful young man who was on his own, had an amazing girlfriend, had, had a darling little puppy, um, had a startup company that was doing really well, wow, how good could for this him. possibly have happened? Mm-hmm. And, um, so, and unfortunately, yeah, we did find out, and, and the medication, there is an active uh, criminal investigation actually going on because there's uh, there's an investigation regarding how, where this medication came from mm-hmm. and the doctor that, that um, prescribed it to him and uh, whether or not the, the actual prescriptions that were being uh, prescribed were, doing, were done so legally. So, wow. Unfortunately, wow. I hear this all too often right now, Amy, from, from my yep. clients in my psychology practice who are also seeing psychiatrists. I hear it all too often. We, we see it across the spectrum of mm-hmm. the compassionate plans. We serve nearly a million uh, you know, people a year, and, and unfortunately, this type of loss is, is so uh, common. But one thing, Amy, about our, t- our television shows and the, and the radio program that I love is we kind of share with people. We don't always have a lot of time, but so, you know, from there to here, because mm-hmm. there for folks like us was that, like you said, the day we got the phone call or that knock at the door uh, or that visit from the, you know, the police officer or the chaplain. So take where you are today and the work you're doing and where you were from that phone call and, and just give us a quick overview. How did you get from there, from such a place of devastation? to where you are today, to where you're doing this amazing work, and how much did John's life and his death affect mm-hmm. all that's happened from then until now? Yeah, I love that question, Alan. That Thank is you. a big question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thanks, it is. Alan. It is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I, and, and Compassionate Friends, I, I have to say, you know, the Compassionate Friends organization was a big, uh, unbelievable resource that helped me as well. But I think what happened is when you're faced with something that you don't think you can survive, frankly, and you're, you're looking for, first off, you're looking for reasons to keep going and reasons to, 
um, I, you know, I have other children and I have a family and I have friends and, but, but it's still, sometimes you've got it. You're still trying to figure out how to keep going. Number one, you're trying to understand how this could happen. And so in that, one of the things that, that, that took place is there happened to have been an article that ran in the, the Bay Area News that was talking about this epidemic of so many young, and in this case, a lot of young college-age men in particular, but, but young women too, who were losing their lives to accidental overdoses. And through that article was mentioned um, that the founder of the National Coalition Against Prescription Drug Abuse and that's April Rivero, and she as well, uh, unfortunately, had lost her son to this same epidemic, and it was from that that she created the organization National Coalition Against Prescription Drug Abuse, a big word, <laughs> and I reached out to her, and I was just looking for that um, ability to connect with someone else who could understand my world as I was as I was experiencing it then as much as possible, which is, again, why I think Compassionate Friends is so amazing, because you're just giving people this opportunity to to find others and that you can survive this. And so I just, I, I kind of met with her and we talked and shared stories and I saw the work that she was doing and I thought, you know, this was an absolute senseless thing that happened. My son should not have died. And I just, it's preventable. And when something's preventable, you feel the, the absolute need to go out and do your part. I know John would want me to do that. I feel like I need to be his voice because he's not here to do it. And I feel like I need to live my life for me and for him now. And so I just had and still feel the 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 desire, the need, the passion to get out and help people understand more about what is prescription drug abuse. You know, some people don't even know what that means. And what are the risk factors? Ensure that people know that there are resources to help them, that it's a um, addiction is a, an actual brain disease. It's not a, it's not something to be ashamed of, um, to feel guilty about. Um, there's so much to be to be had in terms of education still, and certainly accountability to our medical professionals. That's a whole other component of it. So I don't know if that helped. So it, it sounds like part of what I'm hearing <laughs> is that th throwing yourself into service has helped, and throwing yourself into the cause so that that you know, John, he didn't die in vain. He's saving lives today through the work that you're doing. Yeah. I, absolutely. And and the other the other piece that I want to get to is the fact that you are a singer songwriter. And yeah, yeah I, I am. I wanted to talk a little bit about, and we did talk about it on our cable show, but the fact that you went to the Compassionate Friends, and my mom and I, you went into our workshop, and we were doing a workshop on finding hope after loss, and challenging people to change something in their lives, and you said that you hadn't sung since your son died. And that was, I don't know, how many years after he died were you in our workshop? A year later? I, I was just there. It was actually almost exactly one year to the date of, of his death. So it was one year later, and you hadn't been able to sing. And my mother, this is so my mother, challenged you to sing right <laughs> then and there. And I was like, really, Mom? But you did it. <laughs> you, you rose to the occasion, 
and you started singing You Are My Sunshine, and the entire room broke out in song, and we sung that entire song with you. And that was... That was really amazing. That was yeah. one of the more powerful moments I've ever had. It was incredible. I don't think there was a dry eye in that room. And afterwards, you said that shifted something in you, and you knew that you could sing again. Is that what happened? It is. I mean, it, it really was one of those things where... And being so newly bereaved, a lot of people are like, how could you possibly think that there are gifts in grief? But that was that was one of the most beautiful gifts that I could have ever had because music is so important to me and it's healing. And, you know, John was with me at one of my, the last time I saw him was at one of my performances because he was always there. He was such a big supporter. And my, my husband's a musician too. And, and he would come and watch us play and and bring his friends. And so when that moment happened and I just could hear him even, you know, cause I'm thinking, Oh, I'm going to go through the repertoire of my standard. What am I going to sing at a, at a, at a show? Mm -hmm. But it was John's voice. I could hear, but mom, you are my sunshine. And, wow. and, uh, it just, I feel him so much when I sing now and, and it's, it's just, that's the gift. When I, that is amazing. I and you have a beautiful voice and you sung on our oh. show and I know that yeah. last year you went to the Compassionate Friends on our professional day and you sung again at that at that event. And so um, what in closing, we are going to play the song and we're going to go out with it. But before we do, Amy, I want to know how can people get a hold of you if they need to? Oh, they can absolutely either email me or call me and I can give those, those um, details out. They can call me. I'm also available on the National Coalition Against Prescription Drug Abuse website, but I can be reached either at my email, which is a cooper, and then the letter X, like x-ray at gmail.com. And I also am available by phone or text at 408-724-0140. And I do encourage anyone, I'm very open to hearing people's stories or um, being a resource the best that I can. Um, to help other people um, through their grief journeys. Great, Amy. Well, Alan and I sure. want to thank you. Um, yeah. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for all the work that you guys are doing to help others. You guys are amazing people, and, and the work you're doing is so needed out there. Well, you honor John in all that you do, and uh, you're another story of hope, and that's what people need to hear, uh, that take one foot, put it in front of the other, and honor the lives of those we love who have died and uh, we find our way and you're, you're a terrific example of that, Amy. It's so great to talk yeah. with you again today. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, Amy, and I agree with what Alan has said. John is doing as much in his death as he did in his life to change the world and we are going to go out paying tribute to him with the song You Are My Sunshine. Thank you. You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy when skies are gray. You'll never know, dear, how much I love you Please don't take my sunshine away 
You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.